wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is so wonderful uh, to be able to be with you uh, once again. Uh, Look, folks, we would love to have you uh, come and join with us as well. Uh, Look, if you've got a positive thought, a comment on one of the issues that we discuss, or you simply like to say hello, uh, you can do that by texting us uh, here at uh, our studio. Our studio number is 04888. 808 11. That number again is 04 888 11. And uh, we love to uh, hear back from our listeners. And that is also the number uh, that uh, you can, by which you can get the free giveaway uh, that's going to be coming to you uh, later in the uh, in the program. Uh, now this week, in fact, last week as well, and next week as well, we're looking at a theme here entitled "Is Protestantism." Still Still needed in the third millennium. Uh, now look, throughout this series, we're looking at why Protestantism commenced. What were the initial drivers? Who were the major leaders? And what did they believe in anyway? And most particularly, is it still applicable to us today? You know, one of the things I'm totally convinced about is that uh, some of those things that those uh, Protestant reformers uh, said uh, all those hundreds of years ago are just so relevant uh, to the religious world today. Uh, we've missed uh, some of the wisdom that's come uh, from uh, uh, from these giants of uh, faith. Now, today we're going to be looking at a uh, at a real giant. His name's John Wesley. Uh, he, he, of course, along with Charles as the uh, uh, father of Methodism. Uh, now, of course, Methodism has changed a fair bit since uh, uh, the days of John and Charles Wesley. Uh, but uh, today, the question we're going to be uh, asking is, why did John Wesley preach on his father's grave? You know, I, when I first realised that uh, he did actually do that, uh, I was staggered. And when I understood the reason for it, uh, it actually blew me uh, away even even more. Uh, now, today and each day this week, our co-host is live from Perth, and that's uh, Pastor Don Felberg. And Don's a, a really respected uh, pastor. He's been an evangelist. He's worked in indigenous ministries right through the outback areas of uh, Australia. He's been the, uh, the the proverbial bush padre uh, and done many uh, wonderful. Uh, he has many wonderful stories from ministry uh, through those years. Uh, now, uh, Don, uh, are you there with us? Yes, I'm happy to be with you once again, Pastor Gary. Uh, welcome aboard, Don. Really appreciate all that you've been presenting. Once again, yesterday I was sitting just listening to uh, to the program and all that you shared, and uh, I have to admit I was sitting there saying, go, Don, go, Don, this is wonderful material. <laughs> really appreciate um, the, the material. Uh, do you know, sometimes we overlook the, uh, the power mm. of the ministry that came from... Uh, 
these 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 men and women uh, from which um, many people in Australia actually draw their uh, their religious heritage. Yes, they're inspiring stories, Pastor Gary. Ah, oh, they are, they are. And, and when you look at the, you know, they didn't, a lot of them didn't live super long lives, but what they accomplished in just a short period of time, it's actually mind boggling. But look, Don, yeah. before we go there, um, I just love to, I suppose, uh, get to know you just, uh, just a little bit more. Now look, you've, you've just retired after 40 years in ministry. Now, um, I mean, you've been all over the place. If, if there's, uh, uh, there's someone that has, uh, has tra- travelled the length and breadth of Australia, it has to be you. Now, Don, just uh, tell us, though, I'm really interested, how have you found ministry has changed in the 40 years that you've certainly been in ministry? I, I can recall being at college just a little bit after uh, you at uh, at college, and I was actually reminiscing with somebody just the other day, uh, saying, "Hey, look, you know, uh, haven't things changed significantly?" And I mean, this almost makes me an old bloke now, I, I think. But look, <laughs> Don, how have you found ministry has changed in the time since you graduated from uh, uh, from college? Well, it certainly has changed. I remember in my first parish. I would ring um, on. Um, I would ring up on the exchange and ask them to put me through to the number I wanted. Or it was so handy you could just say, "Oh, can you put me through to the hospital?" Or, um, <laughs> or you, you'd say, "Put me through to Mrs. Smith," and they'd say, "Oh, she's visiting over at Mrs. Jones's place today. Would you like me to put you through there?" <laughs> Goodness, so, you know, it's so different, isn't it? No mobile phones, no emails, uh, no texts, and uh, so we write letters or answer the landline whenever we might be home. And uh, now today, you know, people send you an email, a text, or and they expect an immediate answer. Oh, yeah. And even, even in my Aboriginal ministry, in the early days, there were huge areas where even Telstra had no phone coverage. And so I would be sometimes out of service for weeks and sometimes months. And uh, and so how things have changed now, we've driven through some of these remote areas and all of a sudden your phone starts to dingle and 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 the service and yeah. so even some of the remotest places have service now yeah. so that's just one area of amazing change Pastor Gary. Yeah no look I, I really appreciate what you're saying there because I, I well remember in my uh, in my first parish I uh, uh, we, we would wait and of course everything revolved around snail mail in uh, in those days getting the, the post uh, delivered and uh, yeah. our uh, you know our, our administrative headquarters they would send out the post and I knew that it was due to arrive every single Friday now that meant a, you know, a, a significant number of letters for myself, for church, you know, for the for the church, and uh, uh, everything that was going on was contained in the little package we'd we'd receive, and uh, yeah. so we'd actually wait on that mail. But I will remember that uh, I think one of the uh, uh, one of our uh, our bosses realised that some of his mail wasn't getting read, uh, and so in those days you actually got a pay check that you had to go down to the bank and put into your uh, into your That's bank right. account, and. Uh, that's you remember that too? And I remember that. <laughs> I well remember at, at the admin, one of the administrators uh, 
actually hiding the check somewhere uh, in the uh, in the mail uh, because. Yeah. <laughs> Because he was conscious that uh, people weren't actually reading the mail and he figured this would make them at least go through the mail to find their check. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And, and you, you talked before about uh, my public evangelism. Back in those early days, um, we would use slides. And I remember we'd, uh, if I ran meetings in a public hall, we'd get black plastic and we'd be blacking out all the the windows around and then I'd be putting all these slides in order and if you wanted to change the order you had to lift everyone out and redo them again and and I tell you it's such a blessing to to have PowerPoint where you can change things so quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's amazing. I think sometimes we all forget how quickly our times have changed. I mean, this is only in yes. certainly our lifespan. And, uh, uh, you know, even young people are starting to reflect on, hey, you know, change is now coming so incredibly quickly uh, that it is yes. impacting on, on life after life. It, it's impacting on yes. entire families. Um, but, but you know, you know, Pastor Gary, there's two things that haven't changed. One, the Bible hasn't changed. It's still the same. And the other thing that hasn't changed is people still need Jesus. They still need support. They still need that love and care. And uh, and so those things in ministry are still the same. And how true, how true that is. And thank you so much for reminding of us. That is so true. Guys, one other uh, person that I had the privilege to talk to just a, a couple of days ago was uh, Dr. Don Batten. He's from the uh, Creation uh, Ministries uh, team. And uh, uh, this this team put a wonderful uh, uh, amount of material uh, online and certainly in personal visitation as well. I had opportunity. One of the things we're trying to do is to interview uh, some of the creation uh, scientists uh, with some of the very practical questions that we uh, all have to face. Uh, just a day or so ago, I, I did actually uh, talk to Don, and the question I, I, I put to him uh, concerned uh, the issue of uh, how do we deal with uh, evolutionary-type uh, presentations in a high school format. Uh, I know uh, there are so many uh, parents that love an answer to this particular question. Uh, this was uh, uh, this was that uh, that interview. Uh, please enjoy. It's really fantastic once again uh, to have uh, with us uh, Dr. Don Batten. Now, uh, Don uh, is the senior scientist with Creation Ministries right here in Australia. He uh, was with us uh, last week. Really appreciated the feedback that he uh, uh, he gave to us. And it's wonderful to have you back on board again, Don. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Gary. Good to be with you again. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, uh, what have you been up to during the uh, during the past week? Oh, I've actually been to Perth. Uh, on ministry doing... Uh, what did you do over in Perth? Yeah, we uh, spoke at several churches over the weekend and four church, four different churches. And uh, we also, my wife and I visited her sister and brother-in-law. So that was nice. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's always nice to catch up with a, uh, with family, uh, when you, uh, when you have a, a ministry, uh, type, uh, type role because you do actually... It's been a, 
been a few years actually because of COVID. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's so true for so many people. So many. But Don, yeah. welcome aboard. It's wonderful to have you uh, back uh, back with us once again. Now, look, we've just got just ten minutes today, but look, I just love to be able to um, just just bounce uh, something off you. Now, look, if perchance um, a person had a uh, maybe a high school age uh, a student, you know, they're going to to, to school, they're in working, of, they're in the secular environment, of course, they're being taught the traditional um, evolutionary uh, curriculum. Uh, now, look, how would you actually uh, respond uh, to maybe a mum or a dad uh, who was concerned that uh, they uh, were uh, being provided with, you know, a lot of uh, evolutionary material? Well, I think uh, for parents with, you know, kids in primary school, they should be getting uh, getting active at that stage. And that means getting materials in your home which uh, your children can benefit from, things like the Creation Magazine subscription. This comes out four times a year. And even primary school-age children will pick it up and look at it because of the, the nice pictures and things in it. But they will be encouraged that what we believe as Christians is actually true truth. It's not some sort of make-believe story. Yeah. Um, and so they they get that early on. And then when they get to high school, they'll be forearmed and not sort of fall in the heap because suddenly they're confronted with this uh, material that seems to contradict what their parents believe and what they've been taught uh, through their children's programs with their churches. And so so I think they've got to be proactive and get material in the home earlier uh, before they get to high school. Yeah. Um, once they get to high school, Creation Magazine is still a great resource, but there's a book called uh, Receiving Evolution which we wrote, basically, Dr. Jonathan Safety wrote this, to deal with the usual arguments for evolution. Yep. So it, it, it's not a very thick book, but it deals with all the usual arguments that are put forward in school and introductory courses at university. And so that actually is a great resource. What do, you find, what, do really, you find, what do you find are the, uh, the the key arguments that most high school students will actually be presented with? Probably the one that they have the greatest trouble with is ape men. You know, they're shown pictures of the supposed ape men. Yeah. And they're, they're taught, told stories like we're only 1% different to chimps in our DNA and this, is, this, this means that evolution could explain the origin of humans from a common ancestor of chimps in six yeah. or seven million years, and they've shown pictures of these supposed uh, ape men, and uh, they've shown a bit of genetic stuff, which sort of seems convincing. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's probably the biggest icon of evolution, which young people have to grapple with. How would you actually and, respond to that? You know, to that uh, that type of presentation. Well, there's tremendous resources available, uh, like there's a do- new documentary available, like uh, Dismantling Evolution. Yeah. Dismantling is, uh, it actually deals with the ape men and oh. uh, why the evidence doesn't stack up. In fact, uh, I wrote an article, which is on creation.com, called The Waiting Time Problem. Yeah. And this is evidence from genetics, which leads uh our kids in high school will understand mm-hmm. the evidence from genetics that uh, you could not get a chimp-like common ancestor evolving into a human even in seven million years. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe those millions of years anyway, but 
But you could, even if you had, in fact, you, you can model it uh, with a computer model and show that in to get just two letters lined up on the DNA would mm-hmm. take 84 million years. And, mm-hmm. and we have 3,000 million letters on our DNA, and the difference between a human and a chimp is like 15%, mm-hmm. which is like 450 million letters on the DNA. Yeah. And yet in 84 million years, you're going to get two lined up, and they've got 7 million year time frame to get 450 million letters. So you get the picture yeah. that evolution never happened. This stuff just never happened. It's storytelling. Um, uh, and, and it's very clever storytelling designed to generate belief in the students. Okay. And uh, so armed with some of that information, which they can understand, uh, they can be strong and stand against this indoctrination. I mean, do you cha- do you, do you um, encourage you know young people to? I mean, because I know there's been times when I'm aware that young people have attempted to challenge their um, their, their teachers on you know the evolutionary creationistic uh, debate. Do you encourage them to to do that, or would you uh, prefer to say, "Hey, look, you know that's not the wisest thing to do." It's not a wise thing to do because you, as a student, are in a, a very low. Uh, power situation. The teacher has all the power, and uh, they also have knowledge that you don't have. Yeah. Uh, so you have knowledge they don't have, but they can try and sidetrack you. So, uh, and also you can get targeted depending on the teacher. Some teachers will actually target you because they don't like what you stand for, yeah. and downgrade your marks. And that's not a good idea either. You're there to pass your exams, not to get failed. Mm. Uh, so we, we encourage students to, uh, you know, don't challenge the teacher publicly, particularly. If you want to say something, do it privately. Yeah. Uh, but particularly, you can talk to your fellow students and uh, encourage them with some of the information that you're aware of uh, that can help them to see that they're being uh, basically told a story uh, and they don't have to believe it. Uh, so... You're there to pass your exams. I would say to any student, the exam is not a quick, not a test of your personal beliefs. The exam is a test of whether you've understood the, the lectures, the course, the teacher, the teaching that's been given to you. So answer the questions the way you're supposed to answer them. Don't give some other answer that they're going to mark a zero for. Mm-hmm. Um, and pass your exams. We want, we want Christian students to, get good grades and get through, get PhDs and become a voice for reason in society, not to get failed at an early stage. This is a really challenging area, I know, and I appreciate what you've actually said there, uh, Don, because uh, uh, I, I do know that you know, there's certainly been been students who have really struggled about uh, what they've actually, you know, they've been heard within the, uh, the secondary school type type environment, and the question is certainly there, hey, how do I actually, de- you know, am, am I denying my faith by, by saying nothing, you know, and uh, yeah. that 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 issue uh, is one that I know that has weighed on a, certainly a few people. By the way, there's a really helpful little book that called The Creation Survival Guide, yeah. which is available from Creation Ministries International on the web store. Uh, Creation Survival Guide is designed for students in high school and university and how to negotiate these things, how to navigate these things. Uh, questions like, do you stand up to the lecturer? Uh, how do you answer your exam questions and so on? 
this is actually dealt with in that little booklet. So it's called, that book Creation again is Survival Guide. Creation Survival Guide. And now where can they actually get that book? Creation.com on the website. You can actually order it from the web store. Oh, look, look, I would really encourage because I know that a lot of our listeners do actually have uh, high school age uh, young people, uh, the Creation Survival Guide. I mean, to me, it's so important to actually equip our, our young people before uh, they go to go to school with uh, strategies uh, to effectively be able to to respond to to questions that we know uh, they're actually going to uh, going to encounter. Yeah, look, I appreciate that uh, that wisdom there, Don. That's uh, that really is uh, is wonderful. And uh, of course, that website again is uh, creation dot com. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic little. Uh, uh, well, big website actually. It's got so many resources there, and uh, uh, and so much excellent material. Uh, Don, really appreciate all that you've uh, actually shared uh, once again. Uh, look forward to uh, uh, to hearing from you again. May God richly bless your ministry. Yeah, bless you, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Dr. Don Batten uh, from uh, Creation Ministries. And look, can I please encourage you, uh, go to that uh, that website. There is so much material on creation.com. Uh, you can order uh, a fantastic array of uh, of materials you know i'm i'm just totally convinced that uh, more and more we do need to be equipping uh, certainly our our young people as to how to respond uh, in an increasingly secular uh, environment in which they are which they are living that uh, uh, website again is creation.com you can order so many resources uh, and i would encourage you to please just get something into the hands uh, of uh, of your uh, particularly high school young people so they've got uh, a reasonable understanding when they're confronted with uh, with these with these questions but folks look let's come to some uh, some music uh, this is uh, Chris Rice and uh, love this uh, particular song it so fit much fits with just what we've been talking about uh, this is my father's world I love it this is my father's world and to my listening ears All nature sings and round me rings The music of the spheres This is my Father's world I rest me in the thought Of rocks and trees, of skies and seas his hand the wonders This is my father's world The birds their carols raise The morning light, the lily white Declare their maker's praise this is my Father's world He shines in all that's fair In the rustling grass I can hear Him pass He speaks to me everywhere This is my Father's world Oh, let me ne'er forget That though the wrong 
seems oft so strong God is the ruler, yeah This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died will be satisfied And earth and heaven be This is my Father's world, the battle is not done, Jesus who died will be satisfied, and earth and heaven be was Chris Rice and uh, that song was This Is My Father's World and uh, how true that is. Uh, we didn't come, uh, we didn't evolve through uh, millions of years. Uh, we were created uh, by uh, a wonderful heavenly Father. Uh, beloved, now you the sons of God. It does not yet appear what you shall be, but we know that when he does appear, we will be like him. We serve Creator God. What a God uh, we, we do serve. Now, folks, look, we do have a giveaway a book for you uh, today. Now, uh, this book, it comes by a little bit of an obscure time. Title, uh, but it's worth a read. It's entitled The Pale Horse Rides. And this is written by Sean Boonstra. Now, Sean Boonstra is a uh, author and a speaker that I would highly uh, recommend to you. Uh, Sean Boonstra is one of the speakers for Voice of Prophecy radio program. He has a wonderful understanding and the most simple way of presenting uh, the Word of God. Uh, in, in the, uh, uh, the back cover, uh, um, many people know the story of how Christianity unfolded in Europe over the course of many centuries. Many people also know the story of Martin Luther launching a reform movement at the beginning of the 16th century. In A Pale Horse Rides, you'll meet people from the fringes of the empire, barbarians who mysteriously converted and built their faith with nothing to go by but the words of the Bible. Does the Holy Spirit work through uh, the hearts and lives of individuals in remote places yes he does and this book tells that story if you love storybooks then this is the book uh, that you need to pick up this is a devotional book this is a book that will uh, will really lift up your uh, your spirit these fearless men and women live their faith during some during some of the world's darkest hours their lives were predicted in prophecy and they paved the way for Luther and for us today your own faith will be deepened by what they accomplished. A pale horse rides. Uh, guys, look, can I recommend to you uh, this uh, this particular book? Uh, Sean Boonstra, uh, Voice of Prophecy. Now, to get this book, all you need to do is to text us here at the studio. Now, our studio text number is 04 808 04 808 
11. And all you need to do is to send us today's code, which is SA64. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that'll go directly, not to any human, that'll simply go to our robot. And he'll ask you a few questions, uh, so that we can, uh, send it, uh, directly, uh, directly to you. Uh, I believe you'll greatly appreciate, uh, this, uh, this book, uh, Pale Horse Rides, uh, 04. Triple eight eight zero eight eleven is that number, and the code is SA sixty four. You'll love uh, this particular book. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is live from Perth in West Oz, uh, Pastor Don Felberg. And Don uh, has recently retired uh, as a uh, from from evangelism, uh, from Indigenous ministries, uh, and from pastoral work. He's got a lifetime of experience, and really appreciate all that uh, Don is uh, sharing. Now this week we're looking at the theme: Is Protestantism still needed in the third? Millennium. You know, more and more I'm totally convinced that this uh, Protestant movement uh, must not be allowed to fall into the dust because more and more we need the Protestant movement in uh, the times in which we are living. Now, throughout the series, what we're uh, doing, we're looking at where why Protestantism commenced, who were the major leaders, what did they believe, and how are they applicable to us today? And today, uh, we're coming to, to look at... Uh, John Wesley, the father, uh, the patriarch of the Methodist movement. Uh, and we're going to ask, why did Wesley preach on his father's grave? Now, you know, as I uh, looked at this uh, particular question, I, uh, I did actually go online and I heard, uh, I heard a few of the, uh, uh, few of the statements that, uh, that uh, Wesley did actually make. Um, you recall the statement, Give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, such alone will shake the gates of hell. Who said that? You're right, John Wesley. I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. Who said that? You're right again. That was John Wesley. And then there's this one that I, I really appreciate this one. Um, the church has recruited too many people who have been starched and ironed before they were washed. I, I don't, I would have loved to have heard uh, John, uh, John Wesley actually preaching. That's a wonderful little uh, turn of phrase. Yeah. Uh, but Don, look, uh, look, look, I'm taking up your time. You know, John Wesley, tell us the story of John Wesley. What did he actually do? And did he really preach on his father's grave? He certainly did. <laughs> he certainly did. Yes. Well, he was born on the 17th of June. 1703 at Epworth in England. He was one of 18 or 19 children, and his youngest brother was Charles, uh, who became the famous hymn writer, wrote about 6,500 hymns. Well, these boys were the sons of Samuel and Susanna Wesley. Now, his father was an Anglican minister there at Epworth, and both of his parents were strong-willed people of firm principle. Uh, the Wesley household was marked by strict spiritual discipline. His mother taught the, her children to cry softly, recite the Lord's Prayer as soon as they were able to speak, to obey without question, and to ask permission before they did anything. 
They were not allowed to shout, eat between meals, or exhibit bad manners. In addition to this, each child had an individual weekly appointment with their mother for the purpose of spiritual instruction. And I understand this was about an hour-long um, period of instruction. Wow. And uh, John Wesley, um, as he reflected on it later in life, he actually wrote to his mother uh, expressing his appreciation for these interviews and also his desire to resume them even though he was away from home. Well, John Wesley, as a little boy, had quite a frightening experience. At about six or seven years of age, uh, the parsonage uh, where they were living caught on fire and he was rescued by being passed out of an upstairs window to a neighbour standing on the shoulders of another. And that happened just before the roof collapsed. His mother used to call him a brand plucked from the burning and believed that he'd been saved by God for a special work. Mm. Well... Living in those times was challenging. The peasants set fire to the parsonage three times, protesting against the Church of England's preoccupation with the middle and upper classes. And maybe this helped to uh, prepare John Wesley to work later in life for the poorer classes and to become the social reformer that he was. Well, in 1714, he attended the Charterhouse School in London. He was a good student, and also he had a charming personality that attracted him to people. In 1720, he entered Christ Church at Oxford, uh, studying um, to follow his father as a clergyman. He graduated with a BA in 1724, and he was ordained in 1725. In 1726, he was appointed a fellow of Lincoln College where he lectured in Greek, logic, and philosophy. And he developed a real desire to be like Christ. He read The Im Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akemsis and The Rules and Exercises for a Holy Life by Jeremy Taylor, and these books greatly influenced him. So much so that uh, him and his brother Charles started up the Oxford Holy Club. Now, this club was committed to pursuing personal spirituality through prayer, Bible study, and practical application of the Word of God in the daily lives of its members. Mm -hmm. But their ministry extended beyond just personal revival to embrace outreach activities. The club began to organize regular prison visits where they shared the gospel with the inmates. Mm. They then expanded their work to the poorhouses where they set up a fund to purchase medication and pay off debts, in addition to preaching and teaching the word of God. Now, while these all these things are good and important, and uh, it's good for us to be involved in them and to do them, we don't earn our salvation by doing these things. Mm. And the Wesley brothers uh, were trusting in their own works of righteousness to save them. Mm -hmm. They had no peace and assurance of salvation at this time. Now, uh, uh, because of their, these holiness club meetings, 
they um, they got a few nicknames, Pastor Gary. They were sometimes called the Bible Moths or the Bible Bigots, mm. and eventually they came to be called Methodists. And uh, that was a mocking term because they had a method for everything, you know, a plan for their Bible study, a plan for their prayer, and, and so on. And so it started off as a nickname, where today it's the respected uh, uh, title. Do you think, Don, that on that particular point, uh, do you think there's uh, there's value in having a method to your Bible study? Oh, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good nickname, really, and it's good to have a, a, a plan. Otherwise, often we don't get to do those things yeah. that are so important. I find even, Dave... Uh, yes. I find even, Don, even having a plan as to, for example, when I'm going to have some devotional time, when I'm going to spend time in prayer, I find in my yes. own life that, you know, I, I do have a, a time set aside. It's fairly early in the, uh, in the morning, but I find if I don't do it then, if I happen to miss, uh, I find I tend to miss it for the day, uh, because, yes. you know, it, you know, this day starts to run and once the day is running and you're having breakfast and, uh, uh, phones start to ring and you, uh, you know, it's so, easy to yeah. overlook but yeah don uh, please uh, keep keep going a method a love uh, that uh, that nickname yes it is good well in 1735 john and charles wesley put up their hands to go to america to work for the indians but on board the ship were a group of 26 moravian christians traveling from germany to savannah to america there now, these Moravians were a very dedicated and missionary-minded people who, in fact, traced their origins back to John Huss of what is today Czechoslovakia. Mm -hmm. And this man, John Huss, was burned at the stake for his Bible beliefs. And so these people were his followers or the, what grew out of his followers. Now, Wesley observed these people on the boat they were humble, genuine Christians. They willingly, willingly helped other passengers, doing the most humble tasks, refusing any pay, saying it was good for their proud hearts and their loving Saviour had done more than more for them. They didn't complain. They were just loving Christians and Wesley was impressed. Well, while the Moravians were having a service on the boat, a violent storm came up and a huge wave hit the ship, broke the mast, split the mainsail and water flooded around the ship. It seemed like the ship would be swallowed up any minute. And uh, there was a terrible screaming that uh, began among the English people. But mm -hmm. these Moravians, they were calm and they just sung on. I asked, uh, uh, Wesley says, I asked one of them afterward, were you not afraid? They said, I thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? And they said, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. Mm. Wesley thought, that got something I haven't got. Yeah. He attended one of their services uh, in America when they got on land and he was impressed with the simplicity. But it was powerful. He, as he was there, he imagined himself in a meeting where Peter or Paul were leading out. It was so filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, Wesley didn't get on so well in America, and so within two or three years, he returned back to England. Mm. And the turning point came in his life on the 24th of May, 1738. On that morning, he got up and he prayed, and he prayed for a complete understanding of God's way. And the Bible text that he read that morning was Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Mm. And then as he walked out of his house, he read Mark 12 verse 34, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Mm. That afternoon he attended a service of St. Paul's and the anthem they sung was from Psalm 130, Out of the deep have I called unto thee, O Lord, hear my voice. Mm. Well, in the evening, he unwillingly went to a Moravian society meeting and uh, a person was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. And about a quarter before nine, he says, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, Wesley says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust in Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Wow, that's well, a, that's that a, that's an amazing transition that happens, isn't it, Don? You know, you sort of uh, yeah. And to me, what a uh, when the spirit impacts the the human heart and that conviction is drawn home to the mind, a transition occurs that it's physically poss- impossible to explain to someone who hasn't been through it. Yes. And interesting too, Pastor Gary, that this experience came about as reading Luther's work. And Luther, we talked about the other day, God, I believe, raised up Martin Luther and he highlighted the great truth of righteousness by faith. And here later, Wesley was impacted by his message there. Yeah. Don, look, I'm just wondering, our time is starting to move. Look, I'm just wondering something. Can we come to the... I'm really interested in this. You know, how did he come... To actually preach on his father's grave. I mean, um, I mean, we're into his ministry now. So let's uh, can, yes. can we have a look at that question? All right. Well, the background to that is that he started preaching with great enthusiasm after this conversion. Yeah, and uh, he he um, he started um, going around preaching Jesus and. Um, the Church of England soon began to block Wesley from using their churches. They said, hey, he's preaching to the unworthy poor and not following some of the rituals of the church. But uh, the people wanted to hear him, and so he decided to preach in the open air. And the first sermon he preached in the open air was at Bristol on the 2nd of April, 739. And um, and uh, he... Uh, he says himself that he was really a bit shocked to be preaching in the open air. He'd only preached in churches before, and he almost thought that it was a sin not to be preaching in a church. But because he was forced into the situation, he, he preached outside. And before long, he was preaching to five, ten, 
20,000 people at a time. And it was in this setting that he went to Epworth, the village of Epworth, where his, uh, where he was brought up. And uh, he wanted to preach in the church there, but he was banned from preaching in the church. And so he stood on his father's grave, which was right beside the church, and preached to the crowds from there. So, Pastor Gary, that's the context of him preaching on his father's grave. I think he because made because they wouldn't let him preach in the church. I think he made some statement uh, to the effect that uh, this is the only plot of ground that he actually owns. You know, the, the family does actually own. You know, they own his father's grave, so they couldn't stop him from preaching on that grave. You know, I mean, this is yeah, passion. this is passion. That's true. This is Well, he had a burning fire in his heart that just propelled him on to go everywhere and uh, preach to anyone who would listen, calling people to Christ and to holiness of living in response to their acceptance of Christ. Yeah. And Pastor Gary, he became a circuit-riding preacher who travelled on horseback. He travelled nearly 5,000 miles a year for 50 years traveling about 240,000 miles. That he is... preached some 40,000 sermons. Often he would preach five or six times a day. He would ride into a village. He would pull up at the village green and preach and then go on to the next village and, and repeat the same thing. He and... traveled the length and breadth of England doing this. And, that's, and that really does say something, doesn't it? You know, about the, the passion uh, that this man had uh, for the Word of God. This man is not prepared to, to, to simply uh, take on, the, to maintain the status quo. He has to share uh, the gospel. Look, I'm just wondering, let's come to some music. Um, I love um, the, just uh, just one hymn that, uh, that really does uh, reflect what uh, Wesley and others preached uh, during those momentous days. Wonderful words of, uh, of life. Please enjoy. Enjoy uh, this uh, this great hymn. Sing them all that I can to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful. Wonderful words, wonderful words of love. 
wonderful, wonderful words of life. And of course, that's exactly, uh, what, uh, what Wesley, uh, and the other fathers of the, of the Reformation, uh, really, uh, were preaching. You know, one of the things I'm so conscious of, some time ago I had the, uh, uh, the real privilege to do a study of the, the history of revivals and reformations. And there are two things that actually go together on every occasion, revival and reformation, one with is not impossible without the other. And, uh, uh, these men had learnt that reality. You know, I'm so conscious that within the church system today, within this church structure, uh, one thing is needed more than any others, and that is the the revival and the reformation, the passion and the boldness of uh, uh, of men like uh, Wesley. Now, look, guys, we do have a uh, a giveaway uh, for you, and that giveaway is this book, The Pale Horse Rides. Uh, now, this is written by Sean Boonstra. He's the uh, speaker of uh, Voice of Prophecy. This is a fantastic uh, little book. This man is one of the best presenters that I know of anyone, anywhere. Um, and uh, this is the story of how Christianity unfolded in Europe over the course of many centuries. A pale horse rides. Uh, this is a book that you'll really appreciate as a devotional book. Now look guys, if you'd like uh, your own copy of A Pale Horse Rides, uh, all you need to do is to text us here at our text studio text number 04888 80811 and the code you just need to put into your text is SA64 and that'll go to our robot and he'll contact you, ask you a few questions so that we can get this uh, book to you in the uh, in the fastest uh, way way possible. Uh, now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is live from Perth in West Oz, Pastor Don Felberg and uh, uh, Don has uh, done so much in, uh, in ministry, his ministry is greatly appreciated and this week uh, we're looking at the theme is protestantism still needed in the third millennium and throughout this series we're looking at why the why protestantism commenced who were its major leaders and are those beliefs applicable for us today? And today we're looking at uh, at John Wesley. Don, really appreciate all that you've actually shared uh, concerning this man. What a passionate fellow he he actually was. But look, uh, Don, really uh, love what you've shared about his life. But look, what does we've got about? Uh, well, we've got about uh, six or eight minutes now. What does it teach us for today? Is there anything that we can learn from his life uh, that would uh, impact our religious experience today? Don, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. I am very sorry about that. That was a that was a major no. faux pas on behalf of the uh, desk operator sitting here in the uh, uh, in the studio. So, did you hear that question, Don? Yes, yes, I could hear you quite clearly. Yes, I, I would say that um, that what drove Wesley is what should drive us, and that is the love of Christ. I think of Second Corinthians chapter five and verses fourteen and fifteen. It says, "For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves." but for him who died for them and rose again. And so we need that same love of Christ like he had. And then secondly, we need, he promoted genuine change, holiness of living. He said, he made the statement, I may not bring down the scriptures to your taste, you must come up to it or perish forever. (laughs) And so 
the the important thing is not just saying we're a Christian um, and then living some crooked life. That won't bring us joy and salvation. We need to be genuine, and like you've just said, when you genuinely accept Jesus, then the Holy Spirit brings the change in your life and you become a new creature, as the Bible says. And so Wesley, he stood up strongly for the Ten Commandments. There were those in his day who were saying it's been abolished and Christians are not obliged to keep it and live by it. But Wesley was very strong in in upholding the Ten Commandments. He believed what Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and order your life in harmony with them. Perhaps I should read from one of his sermons. He says, but the moral law contained in the Ten Commandments and enforced by the prophets, he, that is, Jesus, did not take away. It was not the design of his coming to revoke any part of this. This is a law which never can be broken. Every part of this law must remain in force upon all mankind and in all ages. Mm, and to me, Pastor Gary, that's uh, very significant. That is, that is. And, yes, and then uh, another, uh, there's lots of points we could bring out, but another point uh, I was I'm very impressed with the statue I saw in front of his church there in London where it had, my parish is the world. Mm. And uh, he had that big view. Uh, Jesus had said, Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm reminded that Christians in these last days have been given the same commission. In Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. There you see the world needs to hear it, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of waters. And so Christians of, of, of this last day have the same challenge to take the message of Jesus to the whole world. And uh, I think we should have that big view. Yeah, that's that's certainly one of those those issues. It's so easy in the world uh, in which we're living today, the secular world, to simply go along with the flow. You know, uh, religion becomes yeah. uh, something of a uh, of a routine. It's something that I do uh, week by week, maybe once a week. Uh, maybe I give a you know a small offering <clears throat> um, occasionally. Uh, I might even go along uh, for a special program like Christmas or Easter. But you know, the thing that I'm I'm so yeah. conscious of is when uh, you have that closer body relationship with Jesus Christ that all of a sudden everything changes and uh, you know your spiritual life starts to actually go through the roof and you find the peace that's actually in Jesus Christ yes yes is there anything else Don just one last closing thought well um, I I thought the the words that um, there's a good thing one of his mottos for Christian living was this and I think it's it's a good thing to share. Do all the good you can, 
by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can. That was his rule for Christian living, and he certainly carried that out. And and I just say as a final comment that uh, the preaching of Wesley has been credited in transforming England and preventing a revolution such as happened in France. Yeah, yeah, that's so. That's so very true. And so, if there hadn't have been a John Wesley, there could have well been an English Revolution that would have caused lots of bloodshed, like the French had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't realise the positive impact that Christianity has had. So often, the negatives get thrown up, and yet, in reality, when you look at the big picture, there is so much positive uh, that Christianity has had. And tomorrow, uh, we're going to look at one of the biggest of them. Uh, so often, uh, I, I hear, you know, our Christians uh, do not. Uh, uh, promoted slavery and certainly uh, there were some in uh, in southern America that actually did that but tomorrow we're going to look at a slave ship captain who was converted and then what happened after that that's an amazing story let's just bow our heads together for prayer Father in heaven Lord I come to you right now I want to say thank you for being our Lord and our God Lord thank you uh, for being the great God uh, who raised up uh, these reformers uh, Lord uh, they brought re- your spirit brought through them revival and reformation I just pray that uh, today a revival and reformation might happen in our lives a revival and reformation might happen in our churches revival and reformation might sweep through this land uh, Lord uh, we we need your spirit to take control and direct Lord we give uh, again uh, we plead again uh, for your spirit and we pray in Jesus name Amen mm. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Don Felberg on Drive Time, a big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when, again, I'll be sharing with Pastor Don as we discuss the question, how could a slave ship captain transform the slave trade? Really look forward to being you, being with you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give. Isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.